Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. We're in our series called Me and My Big Mouth. So we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, and we're in episode three today. And I hope that you've been getting some insight into that, because, you know, as we talked about, words matter, language matters, what we say is important, how we say it is important, especially as Christ followers, we want to take on the image, the guise of Jesus and continue to be what he asked us to be, right? And if you look at the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the works of Jesus, they're so transformative. And we, as Christ followers, want to continue to just be what Jesus asked us to be. So, week one, we started with, anyone remember? No? Complaining, right? (laughs) Week one was complaining, yes. (laughs) Week two was criticism, right? We don't want to be overly critical of people. And I'm not talking about the criticism that comes in, you know, positive ways. We're talking about the negative ones that belittle people. And today we are in episode three, but next week is going to be our final episode of Me and My Big Mouth. And we've left the best one, well, I shouldn't say best, probably the most interesting one for last, so don't miss it. So turn to your neighbor and say, I want to see you here. Ask them, are you going to be here? Did they answer yes? Yes? All right, we're going to check it out next week because today's topic is about lying. So we'll, what did they say? And we'll check next week, right? To see whether they actually keep their words. So today's topic is liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> now, if you were a kid on the playground, you probably heard this growing up. You know, that, that's the best the kids could do when you lie. They taunt you, liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, but it's interesting because... We've all grown up with knowing that lying is probably not the best quality to have in our life, right? It's not something that we want to aspire to, we want to be, you know, known as a liar. So, where does this come from? Where did this actually start? And I'm going to ask you a question, men. This is kind of for men, first of all. So, have you been shopping with your partner, your wife, all right? I've gone shopping with my wife, Chanel, and, you know, we go into the stores, and sometimes the brave ones, they actually go into the store with their wife, but usually in the shopping centers, you'll see out of the women's stores, there's a whole lineup of men on the railing, because they're not brave enough to get into the store. They're just going to hang out outside, right? And so you go in the store with your wife, the brave ones, and then you kind of get there, and they try on stuff. They try a whole bunch of stuff. You guys, men, you know this, right? And then comes the dreaded question, right? We don't want to know this question. As men, we hate this question. I'm just, women, we're just letting you know this. We hate this question. Does this dress make me look? There you go. <laughs> so what is the right answer to that question? Because, you know, the, we're stuck. We don't know how to answer that question. The obvious answer, the right answer is, no, it doesn't, honey. You look great. That's the right answer, but it might not be the truthful answer. So, 
where do we stand, men, on this question? Because you want to be truthful, but you don't also want to be misrepresenting them, right? Because oftentimes, they'll buy the dress based on your opinion. They'll go home, they'll try it on, and they'll say, but this doesn't look the same. <laughs> because you see, the mirrors in the department stores have something funny wrong with them. They make their slimming mirrors, they make them look different. Because when they get home in front of their mirror, they look completely different. And they say, but you told me <laughs> this looks great. So, men, I feel sorry for us because there's no way out, right? This is a kind of catch-22. There's no right answer there. Yes or no, you're going to end up getting in trouble somehow. But as I said before, where does this attribute of lying come from? You know, you don't have to teach kids how to lie. When they grow up, did you eat that chocolate? They have chocolate all over their mouth. And the answer is no. Like, I can see you. <laughs> right? Did you steal that? No, I didn't. No one taught them to do that, but they just naturally did it. And it comes from the nature of who we were. It comes from our, our fallen nature. They, no one taught them how to do this, but they instinctively know how to lie. Did you know, on average, people lie four times a day. When was the last time you lied? Think about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because the truth would be we'd all have to raise our hands because sometimes we say things we don't necessarily mean. And it's, you know, we say, well, the reason I'm saying it is because I don't want to hurt you. But it's not truthful. It's not the truth. According to one university study, 60% of people can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. 60%. We lie to impress. We lie to avoid conflict. We lie to get away with something. We lie to shift blame. We lie to be nice. And even though it might have a good motive, we're still lying. And that's exactly what it is. When did lying have colors? Because we say, it's just a little white lie. It doesn't mean anything. It's not really a bad one. I'm doing it for a good thing, a good reason. But question for you this morning is, what does God think about lying? What's his perspective? What is his view on this act that we sometimes just sweep under the carpet? And this is what it says in Proverbs 12 verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. I don't think there's any gray area in that, is there? There's no sort of, well, it's a little white lie, so it's okay. No, he says, the Lord detests not just lies, but lying lips. And the contrast is, but he delights in those who tell the truth. 
that word detest is a Hebrew word that is actually tuaba. And it means something disgusting, an abhorrence, an abomination, something that makes one nauseous. It makes God nauseous when people that are called by his name misrepresent who he is. Because that's not who he is. And when we identify and call ourselves a Christ follower or a Christian, and we say we represent him, but don't accurately do it, this is what he says. It makes God nauseous. He literally hates it. It's not something that he looks on favorably with. Now, some of you are, might be getting really uncomfortable, and that's okay, because you know what? We shouldn't be doing it for any reason whatsoever. But we excuse it in our lives. And I'm not here to pull you down. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to actually show you how much benefit telling the truth brings. But before we get there, I want to share with you some of Paul's profound words that he tells the church to Ephesus. And this is what he actually says. Great insight. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He says, this is how you where this is who you were this is how you used to behave this is how you used to think this was your attitude this was your perspective but you're no longer that way this is what you used to be he continues on instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes because the Spirit of God that comes from God has transformed us from where we were, what we used to do, how we used to behave in something, into something brand new, something better, something renewed. And so he says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Because that was your attitude. Those were your thoughts. But that's not who you are right now. I love it. And he continues this. In verse 24, he says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And in case you didn't know what he's talking about, he says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Listen carefully to what he says. He says, put on your new nature which means that it is a choice we go back to the old proclivities of our past because sometimes the old suit feels comfortable you ever have a piece of clothing and you've worn it so long that it's taken the shape of your body and it's just so comfortable and you get something new it's still itchy here it's like i don't like this new suit i just want to go back to my comfortable suit sometimes because we've grown up in that attitude we go back to our own nature because it feels comfortable but that's not who you are you've been transformed you've been renewed you've been given something brand new so paul says 
put on your new nature. Yes, it might feel a little bit uncomfortable because this is not how you used to think. This is not how your attitude was. It's something that is new. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but this is who you are now. So don't go back. Don't run to the past and put on your old attitudes. And part of that is stop telling lies. Because as we talked about last week, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As the man thinks, so he is. Our thought patterns define our actions. And if we allow our thoughts to be controlled by the Spirit of God, then our actions are going to follow suit. Let's remember who we are. And we don't have an affinity to our past. We don't have our connection to that former self because Christ has renewed us. God has redeemed us. He's given us a new life. We are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Here's a point. You may never be more like the enemy than when you are lying. You are never more like the enemy when you, than when you lie. Because the reality, the scriptures tell us that that's who he is. This is what Jesus actually says about this. He says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what he, Jesus says in John chapter 8. That when you lie, when Satan lies, when the devil lies, when the enemy lies, he's speaking his native language. Because that's who he is. He is the father of lies. And so when we take on that character, we're actually imitating not Jesus, but we're imitating the enemy. Because when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So today, I want to share with you the enemy's three-point plan. So you can be aware that you're not confused, that you're not unaware. The enemy has a three-point plan to destroy your life, to corrupt your outlook, to warp your view, and to make you become like him. That's the plan. That's what he wants to do. And when he can destroy your life, then he has you. Because you'll imitate him. Because that is what he is, and that is what he does. But Jesus presents us with an alternate view, a different option, a different thought, a contrasting direction. Again, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come, Jesus says, I come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Here's the contrasting view. The enemy comes to steal who you are, 
to destroy your life and to kill your future. But Jesus comes to give you life, fullness, and abundance. Those are the two options. And we get to choose how we assimilate or connect or follow through. This is what the enemy offers. And this is what Jesus offers. Make a choice. So let's talk about the enemy's plan before we get to Jesus' plan. Because I just want to be fair up, right? Let's be fair. Let's throw it out in the open. Number one, get you to lie. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Get you to lie. And it comes in, in simple ways. Exaggerate the story to your friends. You know, you drove for 10 minutes, but I had to drive for half an hour. Climb a mountain through the snow to get to school. <laughs> you get a car, right? Not true. You didn't climb a mountain. <laughs> Cheat on your little test. It doesn't matter. No one's going to know. Lie about where you are. And I'm sorry to say, I know I'm your pastor, but I've done that. Sometimes Chanel's called me and it's like, where are you? Oh, I'm down at the corner store, but meanwhile I'm at High Point. <laughs> and then you don't feel good because you're lying to your spouse. And then he says, look at you, you call yourself a Christ follower, but you're a liar. And then the guilt washes over you. And sometimes we do that. Because, you know, I don't want to tell her because she might get hurt that I didn't take her to high points. So I'm just going to just change it a little bit. And we think we're being nice. But we're lying. Or we make up something that is totally not who we are. We tell partial truths. We leave out some important details. Again, I confess that was me. My wife says, so what do you do today? Oh, nothing much. Maybe because I'm tired and I don't want to say it. But it's not the truth. Sometimes we try to hide people from pain. Because we feel that if we tell them this, it might hurt them. So I'm just going to protect them. And that's what we think. But actually the deceit, the root of it is the lie. You can't get something good out of something bad. I remember one of the pastors I listened to when I was much younger and I started my walk in faith. And he told the story, I want to share it with you today. He was called out to go and speak at another church quite some distance away. And so after he done, he's done his speaking, he had to drive back home. And as he got out and started his car, he noticed that one of his headlights was not functioning. And so he says, God, just help me get home safe, protect me. And I hope I don't get stopped by the cops because, you know, they're going to stop me for this one missing headlight. So he's driving home and sure enough, he gets pulled over. The police officer walks up to him and says, license, registration, as they usually do. And then he says, did you know that one of your headlights is out? And he said, is it? And he's like, I'm not really lying. But as soon as he said that, he said, the Spirit of God convicted him. You know that it was out. Why are you pretending that you didn't? 
And sometimes it's little things like that that we think, oh, you know, it's just small little details. But we're not actually speaking the truth. We're not being honest. We're not actually saying what is true. We're misrepresenting it. We're hiding it. We're leaving out the details. Get you to lie. Tell you it's just a small one. It's not a big deal. But as you get into the pattern of making small lies, they become bigger ones. And it's not the, it might not be a big deal to say one little lie at the start, but because you develop into a pattern of it, it takes you off course. And so that one little thing that you think is no big deal could eventually lead you to a path of utter destruction. Number two in his three-point plan is get you to lie to yourself. Remember, this is his native language. Get you to lie to yourself. And you start rationalizing it. And then you have to double down because sometimes you have to tell another lie to cover the first lie. And another one to cover the other one. And so we lie so often, we start believing our own lies. We start believing this about self. We fool ourselves into thinking that we are the victim. That's who I am. We say, well, I'm not really hurting anyone by saying this. No one's really going to get hurt. I'm just trying to, you know, make myself look a little bit better. And I can quit anytime. I don't have to keep doing this. I can stop when I want to. But we don't. Here's an example I'll give you from Scripture. Perhaps... Everyone knows this, even if you don't know much about scripture, you've probably watched a movie about it. One day, King David was up on his balcony. You know where this is going. And he looked out and he saw a beautiful woman bathing on the next terrace. I always find it interesting that her name is Bathsheba because she was having a bath. But anyway, <laughs> she was having a bath. And David was enthralled by this woman. So he got one of his servants to go get her. She came over. Ultimately, David ended up having an affair with her. And then he lied to cover it up. When her husband came home, he tried to conspire and invent all kinds of scenarios because he wanted the husband to sleep with a wife and Uriah, his, his name was Uriah, was an honest, upstanding man. And he said, you know what? My soldiers are out there fighting a war and I'm home. It's not right that I should just go home and enjoy all this. I'm going to sleep out on a mat just as I slipped out. The boys are sleeping out on the battlefield. And so when David couldn't get Uriah to do what he wanted, he wrote a letter that said, Put this man in the heat of the battle so he's killed. He gave the letter to Uriah. He says, here, take this to your commander. And so Uriah, being the good soldier that he is, carried his own death sentence back to the commander, gave it to his commander because he wanted to obey his king. And then he got put in the battle and he died because he got slaughtered. David married Bathsheba, eliminating Uriah from the picture. Nathan the prophet 
came to David and he said, I want to tell you a story. And David said, okay. So there was a rich man who had lots and lots of property. He had a ton of sheep and camels and goats and all this thing. And he had a neighbor who was old and weak and he couldn't do much. And he had one little sheep that he took care of. And, you know, his kids used to play with it. It was like a pet in his home and they really enjoyed the sheep. And they had fun because it was just one sheep and they really loved the sheep. But one day this rich man had a visitor. And so he said to his servants, go out there, get this one sheep, kill it and serve it to my visitor. And that's what he did. And Nathan said, what do you think about this story? And David was outraged. He said, this is horrible. Who did this? Tell me who did this because he needs to be punished. This is outrageous behavior. It's shocking. No one should be allowed to get away with this. And then Nathan turned around and pointed a finger at David and said, it is you. This is who you are. One step often leads to a slippery slope that takes us deeper and deeper into a place we never wanted to go. One little lie. If he can convince you of your own lies, then he can take you away from God's truth. If he can convince you of your own lies, then he can take you away from God's truth. So often, we might think we're doing it for a good motive, but it leads us to a path far from Him. Point number three of His plan is get you to live a lie. Number one, get you to lie. Number two, get you to lie to yourself. And number three, you've gotten this point, get you to live a lie. You know, so many of us have fallen into this trap. Even though we say we're Christ followers, some of us have gotten ourselves deep into this place. We say we're the Christ follower, but at, at the office we're nice and great, and then we go home and we abuse our wife. Or we, we talk bad to our husband. We say that look at me on Instagram, I'm posting some scriptures and looking great and you know here look at me, I'm just living my best life. But that's not who we are. We're going through depression. We are addicts in some areas of our life. We're fighting depression. Here's a mom that looks like everything is great, she's got it all together, things are going well. But she's sinking deeper and deeper into isolation and pain. We act like we have a perfect marriage, but we don't even speak to each other when we get home. So often we project something that we are not because we want other people to view us in a positive light. And we're living a lie because that's, who we, that's not who we are. That's not what we act like. That's not how we live like. But we want other people to view this. And it's a slippery slope from one point to the other. And we end up in a place far from the mercy and the goodness of God. Because we've believed a lie. Afraid sometimes 
of telling someone the truth because we want them to look at us in a positive light. We're living a lie because we are convinced that the truth is not important anymore. Because now, this is what I think I should be, but it's not who I am. When we lie, we're not being authentic to whom we are created to be. We're living a falsehood. We're living something totally different to who we really are. We need to be authentic. And if we've messed up, if we've failed, if we've done something wrong, then we need to be honest and confess it. Come back to being who we really are. We fool ourselves into thinking something that we are not just because we go and act and live a certain way. We fool ourselves into thinking, well, I go to church every Sunday, so that makes me a great Christian. Being present doesn't mean you identify as. This is how it works. When we think, well, if we go to this place, if I go to church, I'm a good person. Right? That means that's who I am. If I give something to a charity or some non-profit that's in need, well, I'm a caring person because I'm giving something to someone. That makes me a generous person. When I try to help someone in need or going through a difficult season in their life, I tell myself, well, I'm such a great person because I'm really going out of my way to help this person in need. By that logic, if you hang out at McDonald's, you should be a Big Mac. But it's not. Just because you go, just because you do, just because you act in a certain way doesn't make it who you are. Who we are should be the same we are in secret as we are in public. We shouldn't have a duality in nature. We shouldn't have a secret identity like some superhero and then we act in a different way in public. There should be no discrepancies between our secret life and our public life. And yes, some of us, we're still on that journey and that's okay. We're trying to get there. See, as a pastor, I want to see transformation in your life. Just as much as in my life. And so the question is, is there evidence to show who you really are? Are you living the way you're supposed to live based on what God has already called you to be? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Is there something in you when you hear friends talk dirty jokes or say something negative that you want to say, that's not right, I don't want to join in that conversation, I want to go down that path? Or do you laugh to get along and because you want people to accept you? When people degrade women, are you sitting there enjoying that joke? Because you want to feel like, I want to be part of the boys. Is that who you are? Are we participating in behaviors just because we want other people to think that we are part of the crowd? Are we doing things that are not who we are supposed to be just because it's a popular thing to do? I want to see life transformation in my life and I want to see it in your life. We have to be true to who we are.
what God has done in our life, what God has called us to be. Ultimately, we are, if you've decided to put your faith in Christ, you are a child of God. And that defines you first and foremost. Above everything else, that's who you are. See, John tells us this. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. If we go out and say, I know God, I know Jesus, I know him, but we don't do what he commands us to do and live the way he asks us to live, then the truth is not in us. We're not following in the ways of Christ. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It's what you're doing. See, that was me growing up. When I grew up, my parents would go to church occasionally. My church attendance consisted of going on Easter and Christmas and complaining about it. But if someone asked me something like, oh, I'm a Christian. I didn't follow with anything the scriptures tell me. I didn't know anything what the scriptures taught. But I defined myself as that. That's who I am. But I had no knowledge, no relationship, no intimacy. Some people define themselves as that, but that's not who you are. And that's why I want to encourage you today, give you the truth of what scriptures talk about. Why do we lie? There's different reasons. Sometimes protect protect ourselves and protect our feelings. Sometimes to protect someone else we love and their feelings. Sometimes we just want to look good in front of people and we want to make other people look bad. But always at the root of it, there's always a selfish motive. The root reason most of us lie is because we don't completely trust We don't trust him enough to take care of us, to provide for us, to take care of situations that might be, in our view, causing conflict. Sometimes we say, well, one lie works better than the truth because, you know, it's just one little white lie. See, lies bring me security, we tell ourselves. But that lie is based on a web of deceit. It won't get you anywhere in your life. We lie because we want people to like us more. But that relationship is not based on authentic relationship. It's based on lie. lie. What they're liking is who you think they want you to be. And that's not who you are. We lie because we want to protect people. But the real lie is if they find out you're lying, you've actually caused more damage. But we think we're protecting them. The father of lies wants us to lie, to deceive ourselves, because that is his native language. That is who he is. Now, enough of his plan. How about God's plan? Give you a better plan. See... Satan is the father of lies and Jesus is the prince of peace and truth. 
Lies will bind you up and hold you prisoner. The truth will set you free. Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. It sets you free. You don't have to think about what I lied about and how I have to lie the next time. You know, your mind is not warped up in thinking, oh, did I say this? Did I say that? I have to remember what I said to that person because I have to tell that person because that person might know that person. If they talk, then they're going to have to say things. I have to get all these lies in a row and sometimes I have to lie over that to cover. You're living in a cage. You're living in a prison of your own mind. Trying to keep track of every single thing you said to this person just so it can all line up and sooner or later you strip and you fall. You stumble, you mess up, and everything blows up. Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. Here's God's amazing plan for you and for me and for all of those in this world. We confess to God for forgiveness and to people for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness and to people for healing. This is what 1 John tells us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we go to Him and say, Lord, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I lied. And yes, it was small and I thought it was a big deal, but I, I made a mistake. Forgive me. And we are cleansed. We are clean. He redeems us. He washes us. And we are right with Him. We don't have to continue to just feel guilty because as soon as you confess to God, the guilt is washed away. It's gone. You don't have to live in that state anymore. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, when we confess, we're not doing it for Him. We're doing it for us. When you confess, it's not God who suddenly realizes, oh my gosh, I didn't know that there was, he knew what was happening. It's for you. When we confess, what does that do? We're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're redeemed. And then it says in James, therefore confess your sins or your faults to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You go to your friend, you go to your spouse, you go to your neighbor and you say, forgive me, I lied. I shouldn't have, I made a mistake, forgive me. And when you do that, you become a person of integrity. You earn more credit than you do when you lie. Because now, there's no fault in you in the sense that you've said it what your fault is. There's nothing to be held over you. No one's going behind your back and calling you a liar. Because here's the thing about liars. Everyone knows you're a liar but you. Did you know that? They might not say it to your face, but they know who you are. You think you're fooling everyone, but the only person you're really fooling is you. Because they know. As human beings, we can pick up on intuition. Confess to one another, James says. Imagine going to your spouse, your husband and saying, I lied. Forgive me. Can you pray for me? So I don't fall in that same trap. That actually brings you closer in your relationship. It helps restore 
any brokenness. It helps build the relationships because you're confessing that you made a fault and you're asking for forgiveness. And when you do that, your relationship gets stronger. It doesn't matter who it's with, it gets stronger. Yes, there might be some bumps around the road because they're going to say, well, you lied. But then you tell the truth and you continue to do so and you build that relationship from strength to strength. When we confess, we bring freedom. Freedom with nothing to hide, nothing to worry about, no kind of plans in our head we have to figure out and get right and who to say this to and who not to say that to. But we just become free. And I'm not talking about some partial confession to God. Not 99% and then one lie. 99% is 100% lying. 99% of the truth is 100% lying. We come before our God who is a gracious, forgiving God. Say, God, I sinned. I messed up. I own it. I want peace. I want to be free from this guilt. I want to have a genuine relationship with you and people around me. And I want your grace. And you know what happened? God floods his grace into your life over and over and over again. So today, let's pray for that. I need to pray for that for my life. As I said, there's areas in my life and there's times that I've said things that are not true. I've lied. I'm standing up here confessing to you. It hasn't been right. But I can come before God and say, God, forgive me. He washes me clean. Let our words be true and our hearts be pure. Because that is the way and how we should live. So before we come to a time of prayer, I'm going to leave you with two questions because I want you to take away something from this. Question number one. How can we make time this week to spend time with God and confess our words? How can you make some time this week? Maybe you can carve out your busy week sometimes. Maybe you can take 10 minutes in the morning, maybe before you go to bed. Take, take some time out this week and begin to have a genuine conversation with God. Say, God, I might have lied because I had wrong motives. You know, Sometimes I thought I was being nice and protecting people, but it's, it's not truthful. Help me fill my words, fill my mouth with the truth so I can live a life that's authentic to you authentic to the people around me number two how can we begin to start having an authentic relationship that God created us to have how can we begin to start being authentic to who God created us to be remember you are redeemed remember you are transformed remember you are a new creation you don't have to go back to that old suit. Paul says, put on your new nature. Put on your new nature. Because that was who you were before you came to Christ. That's who you acted like. That's what you did in the past. But that's not who you are now. So let's be what God called us to be. So how can we live that in our life? What does that look like? Maybe it's being truthful in our relationships. Maybe it's confession time to our family. Maybe it's just being honest from now onwards. 
making a commitment in our hearts and our lives to be truthful in our dealings with people, in our business dealings, in a marketplace, wherever it may be, let's be honest and live a life that's authentic and true to who we really are. Sounds good? All right, let's stand. We're going to pray. I think we all need to pray. I'm going to read that scripture to you again. First John. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We come to Him with a pure heart, open heart. Say, Lord, I messed up. He's willing. He's faithful. He will do it. Because that's who he is. He is truth. What he says he will do, he will do. So let's pray together. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.